Hello everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I am Matt Jones. Joining me today is Connor O'Neill. After one defeat, Connor and Joe, Chris, Garth have all cried off. Can't be coming in to do podcasts anymore. One week into the season, what's going on? It's going to be a lonely season, isn't it? <laughs> if, this is, if, if this is going to be the uh, the attitudes of the senior members of the Royal Blue Podcast yeah, panel, absolutely. Yeah. We're, the, we're the battle hardened ones, you know. Still here, Friday afternoon, watching Sean Dyche eventually turn up for his press conference. Yeah. We're going to go through it all now. But, but how are you, mate? Very good, not too bad. Obviously, looking forward to an action-packed weekend of Premier League football. I think yeah. uh, we're all back into the swing of things now, aren't we? And, all waiting patiently for the return. Yeah, uh, Everton, of course, we've got the first away game of the season at Aston Villa on Sunday. As we said, we just watched Sean Dyche's press conference there. Plenty to go through as well. Um, we start off, though, Connor, with some, some news in regards to transfers this morning. Obviously, we've got Jack Harrison through the door early this week, which was great. Um, but it emerged uh, last night, and then we sort of corroborated those reports this morning that Everton have bid for Shea Adams. Roughly about 12 million to Southampton. Um, as we sit here now recording on Friday afternoon, there's been no news yet whether that bid's going to be received or not, but it feels like it's gathering momentum and it feels like it's one that's going to get done. And Southampton's manager, Russell Martin, this morning as well, talking about it and sort of intimating that he, look, he sort of expects the Shearhams is, is going to leave the club. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know it's, it's somebody who you've reported on this summer in regards to Everton's interest and... Feels like someone they've been tracking for for a while now. Yeah, I think they have been tracking him for a while since, since Kevin Fell was been at the club. I think he was obviously heavily linked last summer. Obviously, I think I've made a try to make to make a move for him in January. Um, but I think on both occasions, Southampton were quite clear in the the stance that Sheffield was not for sale, and understandably so in January because obviously at that point they were relegation rivals, yeah. and you're not going to sell to a relegation rival. I think he's a good player. I think he's someone who, who will fit in the way I want to play. I think the way he 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 puts himself about will be a massive benefit for Everton. And I think the pop the thing with Chadams is he comes in and fits the system. Nothing would have to change and, and you you almost kind of want him to come in and maybe get, you know, seven to ten goals. But then if he can, you know, produce a link up play that leads to McNeil maybe getting five and then Juma getting eight and, you know, Obobi getting five, then all of a sudden Everton have got more look like they've got more goals in the game than what they did last season. So I think it's a positive aspect, it's a positive move in that aspect. I think he. I think from what I understand, Shadams would be quite interesting, keen on moving to Goodison. I think he wants to get back in the Premier League. Obviously, Southampton in the Championship at the minute. He's made a good start to life in the Championship. He's got he scored obviously on the opening day in Sheffield Wednesday, and he scored again at the, the weekend. So, I think he wants to move to Goodison. I think he, he'd be quite open to moving to Everton. It's just whether now Everton can get a deal over the line with Southampton, and maybe I suspect they might have to raise their fee a little bit. I think twelve million might be in Southampton size a little bit too small. I think maybe around the 15 million mark might be something that they would be interested in taking. But I thought the big thing was Russell Martin's uh, comments this morning when he was talking about it. And although he maybe wasn't aware or just played dumb, said that he, he wasn't aware of any bid that had been made. But he he hinted that he'd been planning for most of the summer for life without Shadams and even admitted in, in one Paragraph that Adam Armstrong had had more time than Shadams this summer because quite simply Nick Shadams is going to be around. So that probably hints that Southampton believe he's on his way. I think now that the battle for Everton is just agreeing a deal and, and perhaps having to maybe find £3 million more to get a deal over the line for, for Shadams. Yeah, I think he's one of those players, isn't he, that you look at and you're right in terms of the system and the way Everton play. Because we've seen with, with Neil Mopey, haven't we, since he, he came to the football club, that while he, he's got his virtues as a, as a footballer, he's, he's so ill-suited to the way in which Sean Dyche wants to play, isn't he? And, you know, if you're going to look for a striker who 
is ideal for that. It is Calvert-Lewin. So I think in, in that sense, I, I sort of look at Adams and think he's, if you're, you're going to like put strikers on like a chart of whether they're, you know, small and mobile and drop in or the, you know, tall and range you want to get in the box all the time. He feels like he's right in the middle of that, doesn't he? Yeah. Like he feels very much like he's a player you look at and you'd say, well, he's not got like one outstanding attribute. You know, we'd say like Calvert-Lewin, like, you know, great in the air, great at attacking the ball in the box. There is his forties. Adams, you don't really look at and go, he's not probably like the quickest, he's not the strongest, he's not the tallest, but all round, he feels like a really good player who will, you know, get the ball into feet, he can spin him behind a little bit, he'll work hard and put himself about. And he can just come in at times when Dom's not fit, and when you've got to go away from home and just battle and then cling on a little bit. He feels like a player who, say if we had him in the team on Saturday and Cavaloon wasn't, sorry, on Sunday and Cavaloon wasn't playing, then he could just give you that little bit of something extra and a bit more of a presence at the top end of the pitch that we just don't have when Dom's not there. I think the big thing for me is that he's proven Premier League ready. Yeah. You know, he's, he's proven, like, people will point and say he was part of a side that was relegated last season. But so was a midfielder who's just gone for nearly 60 million quid to <laughs> Chelsea. So, yeah. you know, you can't always you can't always have that argument, I don't think, because there are, you know, and, and looks of these very good players who've gone to, you know, you think of Wijnaldum was relegated at Newcastle, went to Liverpool and was, was superb. You know, James Madison was relegated at Leicester, but still, Tottenham pay fifty million for him, and, and, and he's a he's a great player. You know what I mean. So I don't think that argument carries as much weight as maybe what it might have done a couple of years ago. But that's the big thing for me is that Adams can come in, hit the ground running, and he knows what it, he knows how tough it is to play in the Premier League, and he's used to playing in the Premier League because Everton have obviously been linked with a lot of force from around Europe this summer. And while on paper they might look you know more a bit more prolific than Shay Adams and a little bit more maybe well rounded and a bit more cultured to come in and play centre forward in the Premier League leading the line by yourself essentially because that's what Everton most a lot of the time do lead the line by yourself it's a big ask and it's a tough ask so to have someone like Chad Adams who's used to playing in the Premier League used to the, the physicality that playing in the Premier League brings he'll be able to just come in and hit the ground run obviously it's great spell that he's been playing you know he's been playing for Southampton in recent weeks because you know he comes in ready and he comes in fresh and you know hopefully he, he can hit the ground run and that's the big thing for me because you know you think like people like Beto and stuff like that who a bit more prolific and maybe a bit more kind of well round a bit more a bit more about them in terms of a, a class and, and what you want to see on the eye but there's there's the question marks whether he will be able to adjust to Premier League football and, and if he does adjust how long does it take him to adjust Everton aren't really in the situation now and we saw this last week didn't we with Neil Mopé against Fulham where you know you can't miss four chances like that in a Premier League game because you will, you will get punished never got punished by if we're being honest one of the lesser sides in the Premier League so against other clubs where you might only get three of them chances or two of them chances You've got to be clinical. You've got to be, you know, be able to put, you know, be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Shadams is someone who's done that in the Premier League, okay, not prolifically, but he has done that. And I just think the fact that he can come in and knows what knows what's expected, knows what's required, would be a massive boost for Everton for where they find themselves right now. And that's that's one of the big things for me because this one feels where, you know, he can come in, hit the ground running, and, and almost become an instant asset for Everton. Whereas someone like, you know, a better or, you know, would do the names that have been mentioned from around Europe, it might take them a little bit longer and a little bit more time to adjust and, you know, while they could come on to blossom and flourish and, and, and become, you know, prolific centre forwards, Everton not really in a position right now where they can wait around and hope that people are gonna come good. They need someone who they can bring in who's gonna come good because money is so tight that every transfer has to be care you know, has to be done on the basis of it's gonna be it's gonna be beneficial for the club right now, not in the long term. Yeah, he's plugging in play, isn't he? Like when you look at someone yeah. like look at someone like Jimmy T, who, you know, Dice said himself in his press comps today, didn't he? That he's going to be a slow burner and it's going to take him a lot of time. And he sort of sort of hinted that he probably wouldn't even be involved. 
at the weekend. Like well, when, you, when you think yeah. of him, sorry, when you think of him as well, I think Ty said last week didn't he that you know it's almost like they've signed him now because if they let him have another year of sport yeah. or another two years, he could be beyond Everton's reach. So they they want to get him in now so that he's theirs yeah. for when he does blossom in a couple of years, which is superb. Didn't they now also need to dress him? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And what, what I like about him as well is that I think whenever I've seen, you know, you, you're, at the, you're at the match or you, you know, you, you're out and about, you see Shea Adams just go for Southampton and then you watch the highlights a bit later on match of the day, you never quite know what type of goal it's going to be. Like, mm-hmm. He scores loads of different types of goals. Like sometimes I think he scored a couple at Leicester last season, which are headers from crosses. I remember scoring a goal against Manchester City a couple of years ago where he was like from 40 yards yeah, out yeah. and he lobbed out. Like he feels like a player who can can just do a little bit of everything, like I said, and, and that, that should serve as well. And of course, Connor, most importantly, um, his middle name is Everton. You well, know, of course. Not when it's determined as an action there, isn't well, it? Well, you know, if, if there was a transfer that was ma- a match made in heaven, <laughs> it, it, it is this one. Not, not Everton's need for a centre forward, the fact <laughs> that his middle name is what is, is what is most important. But no, I just, I just think it'd be a really sensible signing, mm. I think. And I think when you. When you when you look at Everton's transfer business in recent times, sensible is not a word that you would have used yeah. to describe signings, um, you know, erratic or you know, <laughs> other other words that have been much more used. But I just think it'd be sensible. I think it's a Premier League player, similar to Jack Harrison. Yeah. You know what you're going to get. You know what I mean. And, and it's it it almost doesn't feel much of a gamble. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of signs out there that will feel like a gamble. And, uh, look, going gambling on on plays around Europe is great, and you look at like, clubs like Brentford who've done it superbly, and and other teams, but they have to look through probably every year, knowing that they're safe. Getting to March, they put down where they. I mean, I remember being at Goodison uh, in March when Everton beat Brentford one 0 and Thomas Frank was getting asked questions then in terms like, you know, you're struggling to motivate your players because you know you're safe, and you, but you've got nothing to play for, and that was <laughs> at the start of March. You know? yeah, so, yeah. so to be in that position where. It might not look on paper that they could maybe start blooding younger players in or blooding the players who they brought in and giving them a bit more game time because there's no pressure on the games and stuff is is a, is a great is a great thing to be able to do. Everton are in that position. We'd love to come this March and Everton in that position where they, <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they can put the flip-flops on and chill out, but one suspects as things stand right now, we probably wouldn't be in that position. So that's why I think Adams is just a good, sell, sensible signer because he's someone who can come in, like I say, hit the ground running and hopefully... You know, ease the pressure on Dom because you know like, he's back in contention this weekend. But like we've seen before, it doesn't take much, unfortunately, for his body to break down or his body to to pick up an injury. And you know, we lose to this himself. When I spoke to him after the sport and game at Goodison a few weeks ago, where he said, you know, when you play up front, you have to put yourself about. Basically, you know, when I play up front, hmm. I have to put myself about. I have to put a shift in because I'm up there by myself. You know, you can't just come in and kind of you know, hang around the, the six-yard box that everyone else do the work. You've really got to put yourself about and that's one thing that Chad Adams does do put himself about and I'm sure, you know, we've seen over the years rival fans moaning that he uses his elbows and stuff like that but well, as far well, as far as I'm yeah. bring it on. Yeah, all, all is forgiving, <laughs> yeah. in that sense. The street will never moan at you again. Yeah. We can forgive Ashley Young for that goal well. in 2008. We can, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. forgive him for the, for the odd little elbow here and there and I just want other transfer lines to, to talk about before we move on to Look at the, the weekend and what Dice had to say today. Uh, Wilfred Yalto's situation, Connor, is getting extremely messy now, isn't it? Obviously, Leeds putting out that statement last week ahead of their game against Birmingham City, where they said effectively he made himself unavailable, which is quite a, an interesting terminology, yeah. isn't it? The, the teams use these <laughs> yeah. days are saying refuse to play. Um, and he's been training away from the first team again all week. There's been some murmurs about a, another offer from Everton, but we know that they've definitely made two offers and we know that they definitely still want the player. Um, just feels like there's a whole lot of mind games and 
and PR and stuff going on from Leeds at the moment in that sense. And I don't know where where, where do you stand right now? Just sort of looking at him and think he's a player who's worth pursuing, who's worth paying big money for, or does it just feel like one of them where Leeds are going to dig the heels in? And if Everton still wants a young prodigious winger, they might just have to look elsewhere. I think it's becoming a latter, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think from the way it looks on the on the face of things, you would suggest that they're going to struggle to get a deal over the line because Leeds clearly want a high fee. I think the, the big problem with in, with all this is Leeds and you know obviously Victor Ort is getting the blame, the, the former sport director for the clause that were put in the, a lot of the players' contracts, which allowed them to leave uh, if they were relegated because they had to take pay cut, pay cuts, etc. Nonto is one of the only players who doesn't have any clause in his contract, so Leeds get the highest fee. And you kind of maybe feel that like Leeds, Leeds are making Everton pay for the players that they've lost on the cheap over the summer is a way of kind of maybe recouping some of the money that's been lost because they've, you know, you think of Tyler Adams, for instance, looks like he's going to go to Bournemouth for 20 million. It's probably a steal in today's market, for being honest, because Tyler Adams was impressive last season. 20 million it's probably nothing for someone who's played Premier League and go straight in but you also now feel like Everton as they always tend to be are on the receiving end of this <laughs> in the sense of Leeds want to drive up a higher price for Nonto because they they hold all the cards they hold all the he can't just escape because he's got a relegation clause so I think that's one of the big things in all this is that Leeds want to make up for the money that they've lost and Nonto's a perfect person to do that because he he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of his profile he's young he's, he's energetic he plays out wide he impressed last season Um but it, yeah, it's it's a messy situation. I, I must admit, like last last Friday, I was I was out and I didn't actually need to put that statement out until I got until <laughs> the next morning when I got up and I seen a thing and I thought that's actually I thought it was just like it come out that he was refused to play yeah. like a report and it, they put that statement out and I thought my word that is quite extraordinary and obviously the Leeds fans of Birmingham at St Andrews last weekend made their feelings clear and they sung a few anti anti Donto songs so it is all messy and you do wonder where he goes from here because there's no guarantee that Everton are going to come up trumps with the offer that will tempt Leeds into selling them. So he, and you, you kind of get the feeling that like Everton are the only club at the table who are yeah. having interest in them. This doesn't feel like there's, I know Tottenham abuse it earlier this week, but there's been very little spoken about that since. So it kind of feels like Everton are the only club at the table, but there's no guarantee that Everton eventually <laughs> going to come up trumps with what's going to be required yeah. to get, you know, to, to, to make Leeds do a deal. And yeah, it just, it just seems more very messy and you the thing for Everton as well doesn't help he's not actually training and properly and playing either, yeah of course yeah. because you know if the next two weeks play out like that then he's missed two weeks of training so when he comes in he's probably already playing catch up in terms of his fitness somewhere Sean Dyche will want his fitness to be and stuff like that so there's also that aspect of if it does happen he's going to take time to catch up because he, by the looks of it he's not going to be involved and I don't think he'll be involved tonight for them either I think, no, I no. think Fark said he, he's still he's not even, he's not even yeah. under consideration or in the thinking so yeah, it's, it's incredibly messy and I think it's one that you can't see being resolved though anytime soon because you don't see how Everton, unless they, you know, try and broker a deal where they maybe pay a bit higher fee but more instalments or something along them lines, you can't see how at the minute it's going to become a transfer that'll be completed anytime soon, which it's an incredibly brave move by Nonto by mind to do what he's done. <laughs> yeah, Because absolutely. he's a young lad yeah. <laughs> who, who, okay... Did okay last season in spells and, and impressed, but there was also times where he looked at him and thought, maybe he thinks he's the best in what he is, that lad, and you know, he needs to remember that his team's fight relegation. Yeah. So it's an incredibly brave move <laughs> to basically say, like, I, I'm out, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be sold and you're not selling me, so I'm out. So I think that aspect of it is quite remarkable, but yeah, it's one that, uh, it's one that you hope will be Definitely, resolved. Yeah. 
somewhere or another. But it's one that you can see dragging right onto deadline day and maybe trying to work something. But you you would like to think that I would like to hope that maybe by next week, if, if Everton leads a nowhere near valuation in, or in terms of structured deals and, and stuff and, and what they both want or what Everton are willing to pay and what Leeds wants, then Everton just move on and go and pursue with the target because you don't want this running into a long saga. And then we get to the end of the window and Nonto remains a Leeds player and Everton don't bring in a winger. And it's then like the old classic of, well, we spent f- four weeks trying to pursue Nonto and we never got nowhere. And you know, unfortunately, that meant that we couldn't get no one else in. I would like to think by certain this Thursday, which would be a week before, well, a week and one day before the window shuts on the following Friday, if Everton are nowhere near what Leeds wants, then just move move on and pursue the targets because there's no time to waste. And, and Leeds obviously hold now for as much as they can. And the ball, you know, they hold all the cards. So, yeah, it's one I can see dragging on, but I hope it doesn't drag on too much because, like I say, I think Everton needs to go and pursue the targets because they probably do need another winger or an attacking option. Yeah, time is of the essence. It's one that I hope gets over the line because I think now I always say he's about these sort of flashes last season, but I think he's his ceiling is feels like it's so high, yeah. doesn't it? Like if he gets it right, he could go on to be an amazing it's, it's player. One like, I, know, so. I don't know what you think, but I actually never ever thought that they were gonna get him. I didn't think about it when they no. first started getting linked to him. Like when they went down, I thought like I naturally assumed there'd be like, you know, teams like Spurs, yeah, like you mentioned before, or like someone like Newcastle that like. But even when his name started getting linked at the start of the summer, yeah. and this is now you probably on my part but I never ever thought that he'd get him to, no. to, to, to think too much about the transfer yeah. like I just kind of thought will he be a good player if he comes but he's probably not going to come I mean, maybe he's just a massive blue like he's, maybe, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. gone on strike to really enjoy you know, so maybe that's yeah. more about Leeds at the moment well, yeah. but it, it, was just, it was just one of them transfers that after summer I had kind of not no interesting so obviously in this job you have to take every transfer interest in all transfers but it kind of felt like a deal that Everton were never going to get done and it was just a bit like pie in the sky stuff that you know but so I never really took that much interest and thought about becoming an Everton player it's only the last week where it seemed to have gone a, a yeah. lot serious and a lot closer and Everton you know, clearly do want him that starts to think more of him and think well did you get this lad in yeah, yeah. you know he could be a real asset because he's young he, he's he's got bags of energy he can produce something out of nothing and like you say there it feels like a ceiling is it feels like there's so much potential there Probably a little bit like Hammond doing around in the sense of he needs a little bit of fine tuning, a little bit of tweaking here and there. But if it comes, if he blossoms and it, it comes up, you know, if everything comes off, there'll be one, he'll be one hell of a player. Yeah, he's one of those. I was going to say that you couldn't imagine him in a blue shirt, but he plays for Italy, doesn't he? So, of course, yeah. He's, he's, he's in it every international yeah. break. But, he, uh, he just likes to call him a blue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Mersey is who he used to be calling us. Yeah. Um, but let, let's move on to some lads who are here at the moment, away from. Uh, our dream Everton teams, you could say. Um, and one lad who we, we hope is going to be on the pitch at the weekend is, is Calvert-Lewin. Um, Dice said in his press conference there that um, Dom's a new far as well. Obviously, congratulations on that sense. Sort of passed us by a little bit this week. Um, but hopefully he can overcome the sleepless nights, Connor, and doing those feeds and get on the pitch at Villa Park on Sunday. Because there was a lot of frustration around, wasn't there, on, on Saturday? Because I think we kind of got mixed messages in the build to that Fulham game, then we, you know, you said you spoke to him there, he said, I'm fit and ready. I said, no, he's not. We kind of, I think everyone kind of expected him to be on the bench, didn't they? But not to be out of the squad entirely. It left a lot of people flat. But from what Dice just said there, he's going to be in the squad. Um, I think he said quite similar things actually in the build up to the Crystal Palace game when he just threw him in from the start, yeah, yeah. didn't he? Which shocked um, us all. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't know, if, you know, maybe they're going to be a bit more cautious again. But it would be a big surprise going to this weekend now if he wasn't in the 20 at least. And, and that's huge for Everton. Obviously, whether he starts the game, it gives us something completely different and at the top end of the pitch. Or even if 
you, you have them on the bench and if it's a situation where Everton are 1-0 up or 1-0 down or just level on 60 minutes you know being, being able to turn to him at that point yeah. in the game would be huge wouldn't it yeah I mean he's the club's number 9 yeah. he's, he's the best centre forward the club's got by now country mile and, and on his day when he's fit and fine he's one of the best centre forwards in the Premier League you know there's no doubt in that he's obviously just been you know hamstruck by multiple injuries over the last two years which have been or two seasons which have been you know one bad blow after another bad blow you, you hope now that sleepless nights come as a result of his, his <laughs> yeah. newborn baby and not because he's up thinking yeah. about his injuries and stuff like that Um but no, it'd be a huge boost. And it's, a, it's a huge boost that he obviously played 90 minutes against Man United on Tuesday in, in the practice match. Okay, it was a practice match, but still, and right, a step in the right direction for Calvert Lewin, given he, he done two forty fives against in, in preseason against Monza and Sport and Lisbon. Yeah, you'd, you'd like to hope and think now that this this could be the start of Calvert Lewin's season almost. Um, you know, hopefully, he is in the squad. I wouldn't be surprised if he threw him straight back in again. Mm, um, I agree. Yeah. I think after Palace last season when. I was fully of the opinion that he would be on the bench and it'd be maybe the last half an hour, 20 minutes, they put him straight in. And he, only, he basically played 90 minutes that day, he only got brought off whenever we're trying to kill the game and stoppage time because they were down to 10 men and, and under pressure. So you, I wouldn't be surprised if he put him straight back in. Um, and I think that'd be a massive boost for Everton. It feels like Dice is of that mindset where like, he, he, he's been holding him back. Well, he held him back last season until he's like, right, you're ready to start a match yeah, now. Yeah. Like, you're not just going to come off the bench and like be introduced midway into a game. It's like, right, you're not getting anywhere near the pitch until I can name you in the starting eleven, and then we'll go from there. And it, it sort of feels like maybe he's done that again, which which would bode well for him starting this but weekend. I think it's one of them as well, isn't it? The sense of, and I said this on Monday, where there's two levels of fitness. I think he is, mad as this sounds, in the sense of, there's probably a level that Calvert-Loom believes he has to be at to play for Everton and play Premier League and, and perhaps maybe that he's, he's had to get to before but I think now with Sean Dyche he's got another level of fitness yeah. that he believes players have to be at to, to be able to play for him and start for him and play in the Premier League so I think Calvert-Loon's clearly around sport and hit a, the baseline of maybe where in recent seasons he'd have got to he'd have been, he'd been back in contention he'd have been back in the team but he's had to do another maybe a week 10 days training to get to the Sean Dyche level of fitness and play 90 minutes against Man United the practice match to, to show that actually no I can start games and you know can be more than a, an impact sub and I think you know when you look at it like that that's probably quite wise of Sean Dyche because it's you can't just keep playing him for 20 minutes every week you know you can't keep putting him on for half an hour every week he's got to be able to start games at some point so you would like to hope that this manage the way Sean Dyche's management is going to pay off now um, and you also hope as well that you just get some luck Calvert-Lewin because I know a lot gets said and a, a lot's been written about Dominic Calvert-Lewin and his injuries and stuff like that and, but I genuinely see the opposite way and I see you know I've spoke to him on a couple of occasions now and you know you couldn't wish to meet a night aloud but you also couldn't meet someone who speaks with refreshing honesty and, and he has been genuinely as good as anyone that he's not been able to get in the pitch you know I, I spoke to him last season after the Crystal Palace game when he come back and you know he spoke about how how much of a struggle had been mentally for him that like he couldn't get on the pitch he couldn't play I spoke to him after the sporting game and he was saying you know again that watching from the stands you know the final couple of games was really tough for him and you know you want to be out there and you want to be a part of it and he wants to be the leader and drag the team over the line and now he sees himself as a senior player even though he's 26 and stuff like that you know you really warm to him and you want him to do well and, and I think now you just hope that he gets a bit of luck and his body holds up and what the work that because don't forget this has been a, a long process for Dominic Calvert-Lewin which started in June yeah. late May early June when he decides to go to Germany to, to the clinic in, in Munich and, and basically try and work on developing his body and understanding why 
the injuries are happening, ways in which they can prevent it. So obviously he's done that, then he'd come back to pre-season, obviously then they held him back for the friendlies, but he's still been training and stuff. So hopefully this will be the start of Calvert-Lewin's season now, but just having him in and around the squad I think is a massive boost for Everton. And, you know, put it this way, and I think we've all said this over time, but if he played 80% of the games this season, you'll bank on Everton being comfortably mid-table. Yeah. You know, if he plays last Saturday, he scores at least two. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. And I probably put Devon soon up at half time and out of sight. If you and that's how crucial he is, you know, effectively to this to this team. So you just hope now this will be the start of, of him coming in and you know, now I've said he'll probably start he'll probably be on the bench. <laughs> and we might not see him at all. I but, mean that'll be fine but, as well, you know, as well. But just yeah, have him yeah. back in the vault and the fact that he's back in Sean Dyche's kind of think is a big thing because when I spoke to Sean Dyche after the sport game, it appeared then that he wasn't in Sean Dyche's thinking for Fulham and for games moving forward, he still had a way to go to, to get himself in that thinking. So the fact since, you know, less than two weeks on now, he's got himself back into Sean Dyche's thinking is, is a real positive because you think you suspect it takes a lot to get into Sean Dyche's thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Aston Villa, um, Villa Park. My first away game was in Villa Park, so I always quite enjoy really? it when we go there. Never yeah. been to Villa Park. Never been to Villa Park. That, that surprises me no. a lot. What was your first away game? It was Blackburn many, many years ago. Do you remember what the score was? We won 1 0. Who scored? I think it was. Well, no, sorry, was it 3 2? And we were 2 0 up. Yeah. And, and we, and Kale we, scored. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Into the away end. Yeah. 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 We, scored, we, we scored late on at the, at the death. I think Jason yeah. Roberts scored a, an absolute. Won the goal for them yeah. that day, and, and Zonzi scored one as well. And Zonzi, yeah. and Zonzi did score, yeah. yeah. We're going down the yeah. rabbit hole here. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Magic almost took a lot days. Well, I had, uh, <laughs> my one was Lesh got scored for us early, and then Gabby Bonnehor, of course, of scored the equaliser. One of them, James Vaughan was amazing that night as well. I thought he was going to be, well, he would have been the next big thing, yeah, if it wasn't for injuries. Yeah. But um, but just just one of those grounds, isn't it? Like like you, like you look back at Everton players down the Everton teams down the years, and like. We had some like really good days there. You know, I always go back to like the three one under Moyes two thousand four five season where we completely outplayed them. Um, Lukaku and Osman scoring in two thousand thirteen as well. And that yellow kit, yeah, um, of course, two Yeah, it was fantastic. Obviously, we had some great battles with them, didn't we? Um, when it was Moyes' team against Martin O'Neill's team, yeah, yeah. I think uh, James Milner scored a, a free kick. Pienaar scored a couple of amazing yeah. goals down there. And I, I also remember, and I hope this bodes well, as opposed to last year we played him in the first away game, we got beat two one. But we went there one year, second game. It was two thousand twelve, actually. Um, after Fellaini had scored against United, of course, yeah, the, white, the white, blue, white, the white kit, yeah, and we three 0 up at half time, and the away yeah. end was bouncing. It, was, it didn't have a care in the world that day, but um, feels like it's going to be a, a lot tougher. Of an assignment on on Sunday, and I don't know about you, but I was watching that that Newcastle Villa game at the weekend, and watching those goals going for Newcastle in the second half, and I was like, "Is this is this good for Everton? Is this good for Everton or not?" Because in the one sense, you want them to be demoralised and, and downtrodden, but you're also worried about getting that reaction on you yeah. going into the game this oh, weekend. 100%. Uh, I think it was quite interesting as well because I don't know if anyone will have seen this, but Alex Ferguson was on NBC before United Wolves on okay. on Monday night. And he asked, he got asked who's impressed him most in the opening weekend, and he said Aston Villa, <laughs> and he said that he, they should never been beaten five one. And at spells they were really look really really good, and I thought that's quite interesting. You know, like you know, who's who might have yeah, been yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but, but I just thought that was quite interesting yeah. from a, 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 like a, a former manager's perspective. You know that like, he was so impressed with them, and I think there was certain elements that he did do with St James's mm. Park that were quite good. And there's obviously a lot of talk around them because they've made they've been made some high profile signs, obviously. 
Torres is, is probably the most high profile yeah, yeah. Villarreal given his standing in the game but I think it, I think the thing with Villa was and I'm going away a little bit from the game either but they showed the ruthless side that Everton should have showed last season in the sense of they clearly knew it was going nowhere with yeah. Gerrard and they knew that like basically it was just going one way and that way was was the wrong way basically and they ruthlessly got rid of him and they went and got a a genuine world class manager and I think I think Emery's absolutely superb. Thought he was harshly treated at Arsenal and, you know, just wrong place, wrong time, I think, for him. Got him in. And then the fact he was able to work with them during that seven week break and mould them into the team he wanted to be. It was no surprise at the second half of the season. They were so good and they were so effective. And you know, you think they were I think they were was it six points behind Everton when they sacked Gerard? And if they ended up finishing in a European place by the time the season finished, yeah, and they picked up some pretty good, so I think they showed Everton how it's done last season. Because if we're being brutally honest, they should have sacked Everton should have sacked Lampard after Bournemouth before the World Cup, got a new manager and, and give him seven weeks with the team rather than because I think we all knew where it, what way it was going. Yeah. We just hoped it wasn't wasn't going to go that way. So I think that all leads into Sunday's game in the sense of it's going to be really tough. It's going to be you know they're going to be smart. It's the first game obviously you know Villa Park this season. And I think just generally it's going to be a, a real tough afternoon for Everton. Um, I think one in which they're going to have to just basically stay in the game for as long as they can. Don't concede early and just, you know, try and basically dog it out and battle for, for 90 minutes. And if they pick up a point, I think it'll be one of the points where you look back on the end of the season and go, well, that was well earned and, you know, a really strong point that many other teams might not pick up this season. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough game because Emery, you know, for, Emery had them really playing last season in a way that, suits him and the way he wants to play and they got both aspects of the game right and I think Everton although Villa will be smart I think Everton have a bit of confidence because I think last week's performance was actually quite good against Fulham I think they were you know we, we spoke on Monday about how many chances they created and stuff like that but this does feel a bit like the wounds of animal doesn't it strike them back and you just know Villa will be out for revenge and out to kick off, kick start their league campaign after after last weekend's defeat. Yeah, you can't you can't play the same way, can you? Against Villa as we did against Fulham no. last weekend, because you, you've got someone like you know Jimenez has has got his virtues of forward, but if you're playing a high pressing game against you know Bailey, Watkins, Diaby, then they, they can just run in behind you all day. Yeah. I think we have to be a bit, a bit more cautious, and and that, that that's a bit of a shame in one sense because you look at their defence last weekend and think you know that defence can be gone at. But it's whether we've got the, the right personnel. You know, Newcastle have obviously got some some great quality at centre forward with Isak. You know, will our version of that cover be available yeah. and be ready to sort of put a, a big test on um, on Torres, who, who did struggle at times last week? Um, but and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Connor. Can we take some encouragement from the away record? <laughs> because <laughs> at the end of last season, you know, despite being awful for the majority of the campaign. I think from Manchester United onwards, we were just talking before we started recording, Everton didn't lose an away game. A lot of draws in there, admittedly, and, and that one standout win at Brighton, but they proved themselves a bit of a, a tougher nut to crack on the road on the dice last year. I don't think that's a bad thing, the draws, because I think you have to make good oh, decisions for yeah, yeah. You, you know, you pick up points along the yeah. way, and you know, I think draws away from home are only bad if you're going like the top four or the title or the top six, as it, as it now is. So I think you can, you can definitely take encouragement from that, because I think, in a, in a mad sense, it was almost like dice didn't quite work out how to play at home and take the, the game to a team yeah. but he masters how to set the team away from home where it's like he's going to have to you know soak up the pressure defend deep and try and hit them on the break and get and try and get him behind and I think, I think as bad as it sounds he mastered that mm. it was more the home form and, and, and set the team up to take the game to the opposition and think you know Everton struggled to, 
to do that for well pretty much the whole day she was raining if I'm being honest um, but yeah I think they can definitely definitely take encouragement from this I think you know the, the, I think the blueprint from last season is there in terms of how to go and approach these games I think the, the big thing for Everton is because you think of them away games last season a lot of the goals conceded but they're all making mistakes you know you think of Leicester you know poor defender for the, the first goal off the set piece the second goal Michael Keane gets Forest. you know Forrest it was poor defending Um, you know you think even you know, yeah. Brighton they, they can yeah. see the chances you know the Wolves one where an artist had just dragged Traore down yeah. take him down yeah. you know Pickford maybe should do better with the yeah. shot initially so I think there's definitely you know encouraging signs there and I think like I say Sean Dyche mastered how to play away from home last season with this Everton side you know and, and I think the, the big thing now is is whether the personnel who can, can come in can take that mantle because I think you think last season you know yeah, I mean it was a big pass the away form wasn't he towards the end you know you think of Wolves and yeah. uh, Brighton you know McNeil was obviously outstanding away from home because he basically played times as an additional fullback, but then also <laughs> to get forward. He's not available, you know, at the weekends. So obviously, and then obviously Calvert Lewin may or may not be involved. But yeah, I definitely think Everton can take you know encouraging signs from last season's away form under Sean Dyson. You would like to think that the br- the blueprint that he used last season is one that he would look to implement this season because, like you say, they can't go gung ho attacking into Philip because they'll just get picked off, hmm. and they don't have the. You don't have to pace at the back to play high up the pitch and try and squeeze Villa. So they probably have to sit a bit deeper, a little bit, maybe rather look at times and, and look to hit Villa on the break. But there's definitely there's definitely reasons why they didn't take encouragement from last season's way form and also last week in terms of the performance. Certainly first half, we've seen him in form. Score prediction for Sunday? Nil nil. Oof. I'll, I'll go for a draw as well. I'll go, I'll go one all. I think we'll score from a set piece because I think they've got quite a. A, a short team I think Torres struggles in the air a little bit as well he thinks he's more of a ball playing defender so I reckon we'll cause him a few problems that's why you like to have it and play wouldn't it they'll be just yeah, try you know yeah. really, I mean, really rough him up a little bit and as you first start in the Premier League you know if you start in the Premier League for the first time and, and like being challenging in the air is not really your game he's, he's a nightmare to face isn't he he's, yeah. he's the player you don't want to face whereas if you're playing up against someone like you know Mope or Dan Jume it's going to be on the ground and around his defeat it's probably a bit easier but Nil nil, one one. Um, let us know what you think uh, in the comments. Let us know about your first away game as well. Uh, Connors was Blackburn. I was Aston Villa. Uh, where was yours? What was the score? <laughs> Who scored? Uh, but that has been your Royal Blue podcast this week. We'll be back on Monday to reflect on what is hopefully uh, great three points in the second city. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. Up the toffees. I'll speak to you again very soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast, the Liverpool Echo. 